If you enjoy spoiling your chickens, keeping your chicken first aid kit up to date, and fun surprises for yourself, you'll want to jump on the Henny and Roo bandwagon. Henny and Roo is a monthly box put together by chicken keepers for chicken keepers and their flocks. Each month, you'll receive products that may not be available at your local feed store to help build up your poultry first aid kit, try new treats and coop products to keep your flock happy and healthy. And there's always fun gifts for the humans too. So go to honeyandroo.com and you can save 10% off your first box using code drink and farm. As a subscriber, you can also visit the honeyandroo.com shop to purchase select items and save 10% off everything. Henny and Roo, better chicken keeping delivered. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. <laughs> oh, hey there, Bev. We actually had a sound effect today. We haven't had one of those in a little bit. I know, you're right. I mean, okay, so my sound effect is a little boring. I'm drinking ginger ale, like a little kid with a stomach ache, but I don't have a stomach ache and I'm not a little kid, but I really like ginger ale. <laughs> Me too. That's what I'm drinking today. I like it because I don't typically drink soda. I try not to anyways, you know, just because it's not the greatest for you. So I don't keep it on hand at the house. But I do keep ginger ale on hand because I get heartburn every now and then. Plus it like curbs my craving for that like bubbly soda type thing in the afternoon when I want to have one, but without the caffeine and stuff because I've been battling some insomnia. So I'm not really supposed to have caffeine in the afternoon. So yeah, so this helps with that. And I don't know, it's delicious. Canada Dry is my preferred ginger ale. Boo. (laughs) I live in Michigan, so it's all Verner's here. Mm. So you know what? I don't know if they had Verner's at the grocery store. I probably would have grabbed that because I knew that that was Michigan. (laughs) So it must have just been Canada Dry. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if Verner's is like widely available outside of Michigan. Maybe I'm ignorant there. I'm not really sure. Because most people have no idea what I'm talking about when Mm. I say Verner's. I mean, I can picture the packaging in my head, so I've definitely seen it before. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's like Midwestern then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So what are you drinking over there? So I feel like I've been super boring lately. So I put it in a fun mug. So I have my dinosaur mug. He makes an appearance again. We need to name him. I did name him before because this is the mug I used to have in the office. Oh, what's his name? Because it was a good icebreaker. I can't remember. Because we haven't been in an office in two years. So I think his name was Reginald, but then I named it Duck Reginald. So I don't know. Maybe he needs another name. He's having an identity (laughs) crisis. But anyways, inside this poor guy is a white hot chocolate with some Ghirardelli caramel syrup. Mm. Yeah. Because I still have a big old container of it. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I should probably work my way through this. And I, like, don't have any other beverages in the house right now because I really badly need to go, uh, I almost said Christmas shopping, (laughs) grocery shopping, not Christmas shopping. I don't plan that far ahead for Christmas. I'm in that same boat (laughs) on the grocery store thing. We're, like, out of everything. This morning, I didn't have any cereal, so. 
<laughs> Aww. Yeah, I made oatmeal this morning, so that's where I was at. Mm. <sighs> but anyways, yeah. So maybe I'll have more fun stuff to drink after I go to the grocery store this weekend. But we'll see. No. <laughs> Our drink peep this episode is our friend Elizabeth Steves, and she is at Steel02 over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So I'm excited to be educated today about something, because one, I didn't know this was a thing to even consider, and two, it's not great for your garden to do this thing. So I'm excited (laughs) for you to share with us today. (laughs) Yeah, so this episode topic was actually born out of, I believe it was the lessons learned in the garden episode. We talked about how I had been struggling with weeds and the paths, and I talked about salting the weeds to get rid of them because I was looking for what I considered to be a natural and non-toxic option for taking care of the weeds in our garden because a lot of my plants do spill over the edge of the beds. I don't keep clean, tidy gardens. Like I kind of let them go and spread out a little bit. It's very secret garden-ish. I like it to be a little wild. So whatever I put down on the paths to keep the weeds down, I wanted it to be something that wouldn't necessarily harm the plants that were spilling out into the path like I don't want anything rooting in the path I just figured that there would be like you know some leaves and things like kind of growing out and around so I was considering using salt because salt is an extremely effective weed killer but it's kind of a myth that it's a good weed killer (laughs) to use in your garden if that makes any sense And in this episode, we're going to talk about why. And I know that there are a lot of blog posts and like homesteading posts and stuff out there about how things like salt and vinegar make really great non-toxic weed killers. But the biggest problem with salt as an herbicide or a weed killer is that it will kill just about anything that grows. And it is so toxic in high doses to plants and the earth in general, (laughs) that it's really hard to recommend using it as an herbicide or a natural herbicide alternative. And using salt in the garden to take care of weeds is different than using Epsom salt as a garden fertilizer. So I just wanted to like point that out at the beginning of this episode because Epsom salt is used to increase the magnesium in your garden soil if your soil is deficient in that. But that's totally a story for another day. So that's the last time I'm going to talk about Epsom salt and magnesium. (laughs) (laughs) I try to stay on task here. (laughs) So you might be wondering why salt is so bad for your garden and to use as a weed killer. And I'm going to tell you why. Intentionally salting any type of planting will kill the plants that were there for months, years, or sometimes even decades, depending on how much salt you use and how fast the salt dissipates. Because as it rains, you know, the salt will eventually you know, drain somewhere else or seep into the water table. So using salt as a herbicide is kind of like a scorched earth type of situation. It takes care of everything. 
There's a fun little story in one of our sources that we used for today's episode, and it talks about how the Romans are said to have salted the earth at Carthage in 146 BC in order to destroy any chance of that civilization rebuilding. That is how efficient salt is at killing plants. But it's probably true that it never happened (laughs) because salt was too valuable of a commodity at the time to waste, spreading it thickly over fields. But if they had done it, it would have totally worked. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that just depends on how salty they were. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and to give you an idea of just like how strong of an herbicide salt can be, is that even the herbicide Roundup, which is glyphosate and is much despised by many home gardeners, pales in comparison <laughs> to salt when it comes to the amount of damage it can do to the environment. And that's because glyphosate does decompose. It has a half-life, but salt doesn't. Salt has to be rinsed away and moved somewhere else, essentially. Salt kills plants by osmosis. Where there is more salt outside the plant than inside, the salt will actually draw the water outside of the nearby plant cells. So if you spray salty water on most plants, the leaves and probably the stems will soon turn brown and die, but the roots will end up putting out new growth because the salt works as a contact herbicide it doesn't travel through the plant's vascular system. So it only kills the tissues it touches. So if you salt the roots, the root dies, plant dies, doesn't grow back. If you salt the body of the plant, the body of the plant dies, roots allowed to grow back in a nutshell. Salt also kills most organisms, both good and bad. So that includes your bacteria, fungus, insects, earthworms, and your slugs in the garden. And some of those you don't want, but some of them you do. Right. Salt doesn't discriminate. No, it does not. It is not a targeted herbicide, if that makes sense. Because like there are certain things like BT is a great example of a targeted type of herbicide. It only works on specific types of garden pests that have a specific lifestyle or life cycle, not lifestyle. (laughs) It doesn't care if the cabbage worms drink. (laughs) Well, maybe it should. Right. So when it comes to salt, the poisonous level of it is the dose. And that's actually something that one of my favorite Instagrammers that I follow says. She's food science babe. She talks about how like the things that are used to grow food or that are in your food, it's the dose of those ingredients that makes the poison. And the same is true for salt. Because like, We, as humans, we use table salt all the time, and we're totally fine with it. And plants are fine with salt, too, if it is really highly diluted. Both plants and animals actually need sodium and chlorine. Table salt is sodium chloride for healthy growth, but only in small amounts. So the dose makes the poison in this example. And a really great example of this is by taking a look at like how many plants grow on the edges of bodies of water with high salt concentration. So I'm thinking like the Dead Sea, which is, you know, a place where it's super salty. (laughs) Or the Great Salt Lake. There aren't any plants there. And no fish live there either. No. (laughs) They would be belly up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
the Salton Sea is another place that I'm kind of thinking of, but it's really dry there most of the time too. So, so yeah, basically the amount of salt you use around your garden, that is what really matters when it comes to whether or not you're going to end up with scorched earth or not. Like, don't be afraid to like bring a salt shaker out there to like salt some French fries. (laughs) 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 that's gonna be fine but I wouldn't like take a whole bag of like rock salt say and spread it over a garden path unless you wanted it to be dead for decades a while a while (laughs) yeah we'll just go with a while (laughs) yeah we are both very excited to officially be brand ambassadors for Meyer Hatchery Meyer Hatchery has just about everything you can think of including 160 breeds of poultry And that's like for ducks and chickens, geese, turkeys, guineas, and game birds, as well as swans. Like, Uh, what? I need a swan. (laughs) (sighs) Yes, please. Meyer Hatchery also offers a full line of feed, supplies, gifts, and decor. Check out their website at MeyerHatchery.com, and you can get $5 off your online order when you use code DRINKANDFARM at checkout. All right, Bev. So you said that it really depends on the amount of salt. So how much salt is too much salt in the garden? Well, because it is so strong and such an effective herbicide, it's hard to recommend any dose of it as for that use. Because even if you apply like a, maybe a small amount of salt to just like kill weeds on a patio or a sidewalk or a parking lot, like where you don't really want growth ever, and it would be a benefit to get rid of all the weeds there for forever, you have to remember that the salt applied will eventually be diluted by rainfall and it'll either soak into the water table or run off into nearby bodies of water. So when you think of like just you doing that, you're like, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal because it's just a little bit of salt. But like, imagine if every gardener used that as their, you know, choice of herbicide. And where I live, there's not a ton of people. So that might not seem like a big deal. But in a neighborhood, you know, where there are lots of sidewalks or areas where you probably wouldn't want weeds, like it could run off of hundreds of houses into the nearby, you know, creek or something or soak into the water table. And that could be a big problem. And eventually you could end up making your local water unusable. Thankfully, there's like no stories of that ever happening because of garden salting. (laughs) Not that I'm aware of anyways, but still. There are some stories that the use of road salt is causing salt levels in groundwater and near bodies of water to get higher, like near cities. And so... You know, if we were just salting weeds, we could potentially make things worse from that. But a lot of communities are not using so much salt on the roads. There's that, um, what is it, like the sugar beets? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I think they just use salt around here. And thank God that they do because we've had multiple pileup accidents recently. Ah! (laughs) Even with using salt, it's just the timing of the salt. But I'm sure there are alternatives. I think I've heard of like sand and stuff like that too, maybe. But yeah. I mean, it's a necessary evil. It's one of those things where you have to, like, weigh the pros and cons. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that they mostly use salt where I'm at also. My car has a nice layer of salt on it. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if that's, like, really subjective to where you live, too. Yeah, I think that it is also. But I have heard of some sort of, like, beet byproduct being used to get rid of, like, ice and snow on the road. And it's been pretty effective. So that's, you know, kind of cool. 
I'll see if I can look into that more because I don't know enough about it. Maybe that can be a future can't even. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've decided that I personally will not be using salt as an herbicide. (laughs) I think it's safe to say that I agree and will not use it either. (laughs) Yeah. But if you do decide to use salt to keep weeds down in like, you know, the pavement or cracks in a driveway or a sidewalk or places where you never want to see plants grow, just make sure that you do it well away from anything that's growing and well away from your garden, especially because you would hate to accidentally have water runoff, salt water runoff, end up ruining a place that you've been cultivating for years and building the soil and stuff too. That would be a really big bummer. And if you know for sure that under the conditions that you are salting, you know that they will not reach the water table, you can spread a thin layer of rock salt, which is de-icing salt. I always keep a few bags of that here because we need it for our driveway and our, our like pad outside the house. You can use that in between bricks, pavers, or stones, and that'll keep the, the weeds away for years. Another option is to dilute table salt or rock salt in water. You want three parts salt to one part water, and you mix until it dissolves, and then you very carefully pour it on in a targeted space. Don't, like, put it in a hose and just, like, spray it everywhere. (laughs) All willy-nilly, like, yeah. (laughs) But you should know that salt is highly destructive to concrete and paving stones. So by solving one problem with salt you might be causing another. And in fact, we have concrete outside of our garage and we don't salt that. Even when it is icy and snowy, we take the tractor and we get as much off as we can and then we use a shovel to get the rest and we just very carefully back cars out on the icy (laughs) pad rather than put salt down because otherwise we're going to have to re-pour that concrete sooner rather than later and it's already really pitted up, so just a heads up about that. And if you have accidentally spilled salt on soil that you plan to plant in, it can take years to recover if left on its own. But if you water it regularly, it will gradually dilute the salt, causing it to flow elsewhere, and then you can potentially save that garden soil. If you want to know more about using salt or vinegar is another common one that people talk about as a natural herbicide. There is a link in the show notes to an experiment that one home gardener did comparing the effectiveness of salt, vinegar, and Roundup as a weed killer. And she also compared their long-term environmental impact. So it's just kind of for like, you know, more reading if you're interested in it. It is only one person's experiment, and I've never done that experiment myself. But I have tried to use vinegar on weeds before, and it did not work out very well. (laughs) (laughs) Not on a lot of weeds, but I have given that a try. But I will stop trying to convince my husband to use salt and vinegar on our driveway (laughs) for the weed killing. We do use Roundup on our driveway. That has been the only thing that we have found that works and keeps the weeds down. Otherwise, you can't see our driveway. It just gets overgrown with dandelions. So, <laughs> Thankfully, there's plenty of other dandelions in the yard for the bees. So, Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have a very big yard. <laughs> yeah, and we don't treat our lawn with anything. So, like, whatever grows, grows. We just kind of leave those wildflowers for, you know, whatever natural pollinators there are out there so (laughs) yes there you go yeah so that that's the story of using salt in the garden as a weed killer so just keep that in mind it's a trap 
Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. I mean, you know, like the article had mentioned, there are ways that you can use it if you must. But I do think that there are better alternatives out there to salt. So I don't know that anybody necessarily has to. I won't be. This has scared me saltless. Yeah, (laughs) me too. But I wish that I had an alternative to give everyone, but I haven't found one yet, you know. So I'm going to keep looking. Just weeds are a necessary evil. Well, I guess we could put a call to action out to our awesome listeners and ask them if they have found any kind of natural or effective weed solution for their gardens Mm -hmm. that is not salt related or vinegar related or Roundup related. No judgment (laughs) if you're doing any of those, but we're just genuinely curious what is working for you. Yeah. And I'm really specifically looking for something that doesn't necessarily render the soil useless. For decades. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I like to do in my garden paths, because they're chips, I'll shovel the old chips into the garden beds to like refill them and let them break down. But if I covered them in salt, I couldn't. It would ruin my garden. <laughs> <sighs> that would be so bad. Oh, it'd be Ugh. a bummer. Ugh. All right. So make sure you leave us a review. You can do that over on Apple Podcast. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail. The phone number will be in the show notes. Either way, if you leave us a review that way, you're entered to win a little contest that we do monthly where we put all the review names that we read out from the month into a hat, draw out a name, and that person will win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in our shop. So if you haven't left us a review or has been like over a year, go ahead and do that. So you can have the chance to win. And we don't have a review for this week. So that means that next week we will reveal the February winner. And hopefully we'll have a March person to step up to the plate to try to win the March mug. Mm -hmm. And just a little bit of housekeeping before we sign off for the day. Be sure and send us your can't evens. You can share those in our Facebook group by hashtagging them can't even in a post, or you can email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And make sure you take a look at today's show notes to find all the links to the articles that Bev reviewed with us today about salt, a survey link that allows you to tell us how we're doing anonymously, all the social media stuff that you might need, and then also our merch shop. I am wearing the merch shirt today. It's so cute. And it says, Drink and Farm, giving zero clock since 2018, because we are almost to our three-year anniversary, four-year anniversary? Four-year anniversary. Four years. Obviously, I can't do math, because 2018 plus... That's okay. Four Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, so we are celebrating that by March Shirt of the Month themed of celebration Mm -hmm. of giving zero clocks for four years. Yeah. (laughs) And beyond. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yes. All right. So that's it for today. And until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clocks. (laughs) Bye now. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and